Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk about church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. I'm Adam Diamond, a church planner candidate with Mile One Mission. Right over here, we have... David Drover. Do you and know I'm people in... can't see you? I see know. Right over here. <laughs> Did you have to interrupt Dave just then? Well, I just thought it was important to know that people don't know what direction you're pointing in. I know, but I can still say right over here. Yeah. No, it's Point true. in case, right over here so we have... I am, just so everybody out there is clear, without any shadow of a doubt whatsoever, wherever you are, I'm on Adam's right. This is David Drover, and I'm an intern at Mile One Mission. And I'm Steve Daw. I'm the Director of Education and Discipleship for Mile One Mission. He's and I'm across the table from Dave and go. Adam. And I'm Matt Leahy. I'm a church planter with Mile One, and I am across the table from Dave and Adam and to the right of Steve and diagonal from Dave. And we're all at a table. So if you would like to draw us a picture of how we're set, please do and send in to us. You can <laughs> drop us a line at steve.mile1mission.ca. Make sure you get my good side. Yeah. If you do, honestly, if you send this in the picture, we will put it on social media. It'll Anyways, be amazing. So, guys, today uh, is going to be an interesting topic, a bit of a heavier one. What happens to people of other faiths? Do they go to heaven? Do they go to hell? Do does nothing happen to them? So, so like, what what happens? What do we what do we believe as Christians that happens to other people who don't believe what we believe? Okay, and I'm going to have to actually nuance this a little bit because I, I don't know if you saw, I, I know the people out there can't see it, but the little blood vessel that popped up on my forehead mm. when we talk about religious perspectives as faiths, because it, it's, it's like assuming that, any, that, nobody ha- that people cannot have a faith. The fact is you trust something, and that's what a faith is. So what we're asking then, if you're going to, our faith is in Jesus Christ, and so the question then, if you're going to be more specific about it, what happens to people who don't have faith in Jesus Christ? They are of another faith. They believe in something else. And what happens to them right. upon the point of death? Yeah. Because the fact is that, you know, you, you read in Scripture, and uh, it says that, you know, God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. So regardless of if, you, if you're a Christian, if you're a Buddhist, an atheist, uh, anything, humans generally speaking, have a desire to continue living, right? Yeah. Here or <laughs> in the next <laughs> life, right? So there's that desire to... Yeah, I mean, people even try now when when they don't depend on a faith of sort, if you're an atheist or whatever. I've, I've heard people say, as long as you live on in, in memory of someone else, you're, you're basically living eternally. Mm. But you're not, because eventually, like, I can, you know, think about Winston Churchill, but I never knew Winston Churchill. I didn't know any him personally. I don't know any of his habits. I don't know anything about him. I know his name, but essentially, all that he is is, is ceased to exist except for his name and a few certain things he's done in history. Well, and that's and his oh, grave, and his grave, and his grave. <laughs> well, and that's only for Winston Churchill. What do you do for I don't know the guy who sold falafel to Winston Churchill in 1913 in Turkey or something? Like we don't remember that guy because he's dead. He's he wasn't historically uh, historically valuable. Um, the fact is, uh, 
that was just before world, that was around World War One, and you know there were a lot of people who died, and they're actually in unmarked graves. So the idea that you live on in memory is, well, that's that's cold comfort. Yeah, it's a comforting mechanism. That's 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 all it is. Well, th- then your value is also either. only in memory. Right. You have there's no other value to you. It's, it's just that you, someone just has to remember you. Well, and two, uh, the fact the fact is that the person that I am and know myself to be is different from the people person that you guys know me to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, you will remember me differently than I think of myself. And the question then is going to be, if you live on in memory, what what do you what do you even really mean by that? I mean, for instance, I think my puns are hilarious, but most of you in the office don't no. think they're hilarious. But that's a different different uh, difference of view. Right. No, there, <laughs> there's a right and wrong there. <laughs> there is, totally. Your puns will not go into the afterlife. They, they will burn off. And <laughs> <laughs> so as you can tell, my puns are not liked in this office. Okay, so my puns are not liked. And no pun intended. Apparently, my puns will not make it into the afterlife. But what happens to people who don't place their faith in Jesus Christ? Well, again, that, that that's kind of an implication of what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the gospel that we what, that we say is that we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. So that means that we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and through faith in Jesus Christ. And faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's not other religions and there's not other things that we do that, that reconcile us. So then the implication is, well, if you don't have faith in Jesus, then you are not saved and what we're being saved from is our sin and also the punishment that comes after that which is hell for eternity so that is where people go of other faiths if they're not saved from that we believe that they're all you know every single person that's where they're going unless they have right now and and again i i don't want to say completely of other faiths because there's a Christians have a lot of different viewpoints, even within Christianity, and mm. it's not actually mm-hmm. being a part of, quote-unquote, the Christian club that yep. makes you acceptable to God. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's having faith in Jesus Christ that makes you acceptable to God. Yeah, it's not, uh, yeah, it's, it's not even people of different faiths, because it could be someone that attends church. Right. Someone Absolutely. who goes to church every Sunday, even someone who maybe even serves in a local church, mm-hmm. but hasn't actually had faith in Jesus Christ, hasn't trusted in him for their salvation to be reconciled unto God. Right. And I'd actually say who doesn't trust in Jesus Christ. I mean, the fact is, we don't even, I don't even know what you guys have, believe in your hearts. I can see, you know, evidences of how you believe, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you actually have faith in Jesus Christ. I can only say that I have faith in Jesus Christ and that I'm seeking to have deeper faith in Jesus Christ. But... It's not again, not the religious. It's not the fact that you have a you're on a podcast with me that saves you. Mm-hmm. It's whether or not you have faith in Jesus Christ. But there are ways that the Bible does teach us to discern or help try and discern, you know, who Christians are and who Christians aren't. Right. Um. You know, by their by what they do. You know, what what is the? I think we've said it probably a few times in the podcast that Martin Luther quote, "Work without faith or." Faith without works is dead. Uh, work without faith. Yeah, that one. That yeah, one. I can't it, remember. I can't remember that either. Anyways, there's a really good Martin we might Luther be, quote. We might be editing that one out because yeah. we don't remember. Way to go, Dave. <laughs> Way to go. Oh, well. <laughs> that was a swing and a miss. Yeah. I thought somebody would have, have it in their head, but anyways, it's all good. You, I, I find your amount of faith to be encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) 
All right. So thanks, um, Dr. Adam. Anyone that doesn't place their faith in Jesus Christ, so that could be anyone of of faith outside of Christianity. It could even be some people within Christianity. Right. Um, so what happens when you die and your faith is not in Christ? I mean, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's an uncomfortable subject. People get squeamish about it. People don't want to think about, you know, is there something negative? Is it judgment? Is it wrath? Is it a fiery furnace? Like, what, what, what happens to people when they haven't placed their faith in Christ? Well, I mean, it would be the same thing that happens to people if the faith in Christ is uh, is false. You're dead in your you you are still in your sins, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if you are still in your sins, the wrath of God remains on you. And you're punished. And and again, so to, to highlight the difference here too, you're like those people that will be punished for the sin that they've committed. But for people who do have saving faith in Jesus Christ, God still punishes that sin, but that's why the cross was so important. Yeah, it's like we, we had a home group last night and we were talking about, you know, the characteristics of God and how the world loves to hear about the love of God, right? Love, love, love. God is love. Let's just love each other because God is love. And then to talk about, you know, the judgment or the justice or the wrath of God makes people uncomfortable because it just doesn't equate in today's, like the way society thinks, right? Like, but you can't separate the love of God from the wrath of God or the justice of God. And so we were, we were talking last night about, you know, how God must punish sin. That's straight out of Exodus 7, I think is where it is. Um, and uh, there's other spots in scripture as well, but when it comes to the, the punishment of sin, uh, you know, a quote that I've read before, and I, I, I love it. It's, it, it's a great you know, picture, you know, but sin must be paid for, or punished in one of two spots, the lake of fire or the cross of Christ. That, that's it. There's no other way. There's nothing you can do to come before God and say, Lord, well, look at all the good deeds that I did. Surely that can atone for my sin. Uh, look at the, my adherence to, you know, strict uh, codes, that's not going to atone for sin. That's not going to satisfy the wrath of God. It's like we've all been saying, it's it's faith in Christ for what he did on the cross. That's where sin is is taken care of. That's where the wrath of God was poured out upon uh, upon his son for for our sin, right? Yeah, and I think too, like a lot of the time, I mean, we've already mentioned it's a bit of a heavy topic and it, it really does kind of make us want to say, well, that's unfair, um, oh, it's totally an emotional response. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, that I think when we kind of sometimes naturally go there or, or might think that we're not really understanding the weight of sin. I'd also go so far as to say we're not really understanding ourselves. Because the fact is, we, okay, we live in a freakishly wealthy culture, culture right now. Like, we are very, very comfortable. We We don't see a lot of danger or trouble. I mean... There are people who actually believe that, you know, if left to their own devices, humans are just going to live with each other, uh, all, you know, kumbaya and smiley face and stuff, because, you know, they've lived too long under a society where the rule of law is standard and where we have functional justice systems and police systems and those kinds of things. Well, think about the universe without a, a functional justice system, like that justice is just something that we've made up to make ourselves work together instead of an actual real thing. I mean, then peace would, I think, be honestly impossible. We'd be aiming for, we wouldn't be aiming for God all the time. We'd be aiming for ourselves. 
things that go wrong in the universe would be simply left alone. All of the evils that people do is wrong. The problem that we usually have with evil and sin, and specifically the punishment of sin, isn't that we have problems with other people getting punished for sin. Mm -hmm. We have problems with people like me getting punished with sin. We mentioned that last night in the home group as well. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. legit. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Yeah, so, like, we... It's okay for me to say, God, you need to punish that evil over there. Right. Like, this guy that has... If he's a pedophile or if he's killed people, uh, even if he's just hurt my best friend or cut me off in traffic, like, God, you should punish that evil. But when that turns around back to me... Uh, no, no, I, I didn't mean my. I, didn't, I don't have any right. evil. They because, don't don't judge me. Yeah, because I think what we often do is we, I guess this is the right word. We quantify sin. We want to think there's kind of like these scales and like there's you know sins that weigh more heavy than others and then good deeds that kind of balance out. That's how a lot of people would like to think. But the reality is, I love this analogy from I think it was the American Gospel. Um, film where where he talks about if you kind of if you take a rock and go into a junkyard and scratch up like a you know a garbage you know car or whatever nobody's probably really going to care if you go into a used you know car lot and do the same thing people you know the owner's going to care you might get like you know you might have to pay for the damages or whatever if you go into you know just a standard car lot with like a kia or a toyota and scratch a car then you know that's going to be even worse. And then eventually if you go into like, say a Lamborghini or a really nice car and scratch it, then you're looking at some pretty heavy consequences. And, and the idea is that even though you're doing the same thing every time, what you're doing wrong against the value of what you're doing the wrong against. The object that you're yeah, doing wrong. Yeah, the object. Right. Um, as that increases in value, the, the sin or the bad deed, just the, the punishment is that much more. So when you take it in the context of a perfectly holy and good God, mm -hmm. any sin against him is punishable by death and, and, and it's fully deserved. Technically speaking, I mean, if if we understand the Bible this way, and I, I think it is correct this way, all sin is, a, is, is scratching the Lamborghini. Exactly. And the wages of sin is death. Yeah. Right. And uh, before, and now of course there is uh, another position that some people would have called annihilationism, whereby if you die in in unbelief or uh, rebellion to God, you actually are simply destroyed. You don't actually face cosmic punishment. Um, what do you guys think of that? Well, it's I, not scriptural. Okay. How so? Well, because there's no evidence of it. There's like a... Uh, no, no, there, there's a straw man argument. Like, how can you argue for the eternity <laughs> when you look using the Bible? But, you know, we're all Christians here, and this is our, our book of authority, right? Um, there's just no evidence in Scripture that God annihilates you, right? That you just cease to exist. There's, there's nothing, right? And it's almost, I don't know if it's a good way, but it's almost like a, a weird get-out-of-jail-free card because... Again, if, if the object that we've offended is God and he's infinite and holy, then our punishment is just that much more. It should also be infinite. Right. I mean, if I uh, do something wrong against my parents and I get grounded for a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, you know, that's, that's against just my mother or father who's a finite being. But if I do something wrong against a God who is completely just, who is completely good and holy and infinite, has always existed, will always exist, 
then you can't measure that amount of offense. Well, and and before we get too far into this, because, I mean, again, we live in the freakishly most prosperous culture of history. We, yeah. So as a result, we've, honestly, most of us have never been truly wronged. Like, truly, truly. But my feelings were hurt on Facebook the other day. Yeah, no. (laughs) No, not even close. Like, I mean, we've 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 been isolated from most of the evil. But I was reading this morning about uh, what was being done to soldiers in uh, a part of Armenia that just got invaded by Turkey. Um, people get tortured and killed. It happens. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, entire towns get wiped out from time to time. There are people who do horribly evil things in this world, and the question is going to be. What do, I, I mean, I can say that, you know, well, you know, well, they're just humans and, you know, that's all fine and good. But how do you feel, how do you see this if you're the person wronged in that kind of way? Well, you cry out for justice. Usually. Well, I mean, that's right. Well, I mean, that's ent- the entirety of the BLM movement in the U.S. I mean, the fact is that they saw a real injustice when mm-hmm. it came to racism against uh, uh, against. Uh, black people and the way that the cr- the criminal justice system and the police have reacted, and they call out for justice. Now, that's whether or not you believe that you know this the, what they did was justified. It doesn't. There was something that that I think most of us would have the feeling of that there is a requirement that justice be met. There has to be something that you know th- where the anger seems at least semi justified. So it's actually a good thing. That God judges us, whether it makes us uncomfortable or not. Right. It's a, it's a good thing. And again, don't miss this. Like you're not, if you're a person of another faith, or even if you're a person who doesn't believe in Christianity, uh, you know, you're not going to hell because you're a person of another faith. Right. You're not going to hell because of your sexual preference or whatever it may be. You're you're not going to heaven. Because your faith is not in Jesus. Right. It's, it's got nothing to do with anything else. It is first and foremost with where your faith is placed. Yeah. And I mean, this is going to be the weird, weird statement that Christians honestly have to say. You're not going to hell because you did X sin. Mm-hmm. You're going to hell because you reject the God of the universe. And then there are things that, you know we want to create to soften the impact or soften the reality of that. Right. So like, for example, you know, the, we talked about annihilation. How do you say that? Annihilationism. 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 Uh, being completely scripturally unfound. Same with universalism, right? Not everyone gets a pass in, in the end, right? It just, it just does not happen like that. Right. Not all dogs go to heaven. If I can use a, a really poor <laughs> quote, right? Um, and so, not like in the end, not everyone's going to get a free pass. Like, there has to be that justice. And the same way, there's no purgatory. Sorry to burst some bubbles, but there's no scriptural evidence that you know if you if you don't atone for all your sins here, then somehow you spend X amount of time in purgatory. Well, we have only one mediator and advocate with God, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation for our sins. Mm-hmm. Your your actions aren't the atonement. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if we, if we take, um, yeah, well, you're, you're going to say first John too. So well, that's what Steve just talked okay, about. Yeah. That was the quote. Well, I mean, if we take John three eighteen, 
Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. It doesn't mention any specific sin that you've done to be condemned. You're, right. you're condemned already just because you don't believe in Jesus for who he is. And then like Paul goes on further, and he, he's like, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, and it's appointed for man to die once, and then judgment. judgment. Right? Now, of course, the thing is, uh, Christians have been a little bit um, loose with our verbiage at times, and so we will look at people who are you know, doing the, the specific sin that we find particularly egregious in whatever time period we're in because it changes over time. You know, if you do this sin, you are obviously going to hell. You know, uh, in a generation previous, it's you're playing cards and you're going to movies and you're drinking alcohol. Therefore, you must be, you're, you're totally going to hell. Except if you're going to be theologically accurate about it, and now most of those things that I mentioned actually aren't sins, but even if they were sins, technically speaking, from what you were saying there from John 3, the problem isn't specifically those sins. Mm-hmm. The problem is, again, your relationship to God. And there's only one way to be have a right relationship with God, and that's Jesus Christ. Which, which is really what it all comes down to. So, you know, just, just to be clear, again, the issue is not what happens to other people out of faith. The issue is really what happens to people who haven't placed their faith in Jesus. Right. So, with that said... There are multiple types of people who haven't placed their faith in Jesus. You know, again, different faiths, different uh, viewpoints in life, different aspects. Um, how do we interact with these people? How do we evangelize people of different faiths, people of different viewpoints, knowing that what awaits them after death is judgment? Well, I think for starters, I mean, if anybody's listening to this podcast, um, I mean, we've been pretty upfront, pretty blunt about the realities of, you know, whether or not if you don't believe in Christ, then, you know, you're going to go to hell. And if you do believe in Christ, then you're not. So I think what what always needs for, for us as Christians, we need to be upfront about that. But then we also need to go to the good news of, of Christ and share the gospel. Um, so, I mean, in that case, too, just I guess to kind of even practice that a little bit, like if there is anybody listening, you know, there's you can put your faith in Christ. Yeah. That's not something that's that's not offered to you or avail like you can yeah. believe and yeah um and, and i mean there is uh there is guidance in scripture i mean we have to be willing to give a a reason for the hope that lies within us but do it with gentleness mm-hmm. and with respect yes and that, that's a real key there i mean how many times do we hear about don't shove your your faith or your religion down my throat yeah and i mean sometimes sometimes it's 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 warranted. Sometimes people are literally trying to shove it on you. And other times you're trying to talk to them and that's just a response. But we shouldn't do it forcefully in a way that, you know, really attacks the person. Or that mm-hmm. disrespects them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just watching um, a, uh, a friend of mine is a new atheist, I guess, would be the way to put it. They, they gave up on Christianity and, and uh, have gone into atheism and are now sending me all sorts of interesting little videos about why everything that I believe is wrong. Um, but I noticed one of the thing. one of them was a fisking video by uh, a, an internet atheist. And what hit, struck me was not m- the arguments that he was putting back. I don't find them particularly convincing, I'm going to be honest. But the way that the Christian that he was responding to had been talking about him was what set him off. Because he had said, 
you, he's just not very reasonable and he's not very smart and he doesn't like, you know, that's not actually a respectful way of interacting with somebody. And, you know, honestly, I think the Christian guy's argument might have gone a lot further had he actually said, look, I, I can grasp why you have this po a position. I can, you know, even say, see what, but you know, here's why I don't find it convincing. And because again, when you're disrespectful to people, when you're, you, you can feel it yourself. Your 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 hackles go up. Uh, I mean, if somebody if somebody even comes at me with something that I actually agree with and they think I don't, and they just start attacking me with it, I my hackles go up. I get defensive, and I'm going to be arguing for something that, you know, I, I'm going to be in further entrenched. And that's not what we need to be doing as Christians. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's so much more too as well. Like it's one thing to to recognize the need to speak. Uh, you know, humble. Uh, and with humility and kindness and love and gentleness to people who, who don't know the gospel. Uh, but there also needs to be this deep-rooted conviction inside us as Christians that this is the most beautiful and important news in the entire world. Absolutely. And where I'm going with that is uh, I, I think back to, you know, Penn Gillette. Gillette? Gillette. Gillette. Yeah. Gillette. Gillette. yeah he's, he's the magician from Penn and Teller. Mm -hmm. um, not the not the silent one who you know never speaks. He's the he's the he's the voice of, of uh, Penn and Teller, and he was interviewed by uh, by um, someone years ago, and he basically was confronted by a, a Christian at, a, at one of his shows, and the Christian presented the gospel to him and had a great conversation with him, and he was really appreciative of of the fact that this Christian had taken the time to explain the gospel to him, even though he disagreed completely. With yep. what he was saying, but mm -hmm. he, but the, the gist of what he was saying to this interviewer was, if you don't believe in this, how do you how'd that go? I think I think what you're trying to say there's a there's a short clip on YouTube if it's the same interview. Yeah, is like he says if you as a Christian really believe that other people are going to hell, mm. and you don't tell them, then that is like absolutely absurd, ridiculous, hateful. How much do you have to hate somebody exactly to not tell them about something this important? And use the example, like if, if I saw somebody who was walking in the middle of the road and there was a truck coming down that was about to hit them and kill them, even if they are walking and they say, I don't, I don't believe there's a truck coming to hit me and kill me. Like, I, I don't care. I don't see it. He was like, I'm going to go tackle the person and rip them out of the road or at least try my best to make sure that truck doesn't hit them. And I think that is, you know, I do think he brings up a great point. And I think in a lot of cases, a lot of Christians and a lot of churches have not done justice to the gospel. And there has been a lot of hurt that's happened. Yeah. And I think it's mm -hmm. important for us to, to realize that as we're talking with people, but, uh, and I guess in, in some senses, I would say we need to love the whole person and, and how we love the whole person is, well, we, we listen to them. We, we try and understand their their hurts or their past or where they're coming from, their worldview, but we also never shy away from the truth and the realities of heaven and hell and the gospel and their position in relation to God. And and because if if we don't tell them that, then we're back there. What well, how are you really loving them? Because like how much do you have to hate a person not to tell them that good news? And it really should just flow out of us as we talk with people. But this comes down to the question. What is the gospel? As a Christian, do you know what the gospel is, right? And I'm just going to do a quick plug here. A great book to read is What is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert. Check it out. Read it. It is great. Or check out, or even check out our second and third episodes, which 
yeah. had us talking about the book. But I think this episode actually brings up a lot of our past episodes. Like you need to know what the gospel is. Right. You need to know, you know, what your faith is, what mm-hmm. you believe. Um, you need to realize that every person walking around is created in the image of God, the Imago Day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, there is kind of uh, I like the analogy that uh, you're using there about the truck and the road and things, but I do have to change some uh, to alter something slightly, and this is one of the reasons. Going back to a past episode, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dealing with altar calls, we have to be careful to make sure that the way that we choose to evangelize is going to be effective, not just in the sense mm-hmm. of that they will accept it, but in the sense that it will actually bring them to saving faith in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. which is, again. Partially, it's going to be prayer because it's the Spirit of God that does that. But it's also going to be, you know, not trying to be manipulative of them, not mm-hmm. going to trying to... Absolutely. We have to actually do it in such a way, we preach the gospel in such a way as it will be accepted as the gospel. Yeah, there's and no, there's no like, 10-step plan. Like, if you follow these steps, you know, God will use you to bring someone to saving faith, right? Like, and that's the beauty of, 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 of Scripture. Like, you look in the New Testament, you see people like Peter in Acts 2, basically telling the gospel and people are cut to the core. And so you see that verbal evangelism, but you also see examples of nonverbal evangelism, right? You know, make sure you're living the life worthy of the calling stuff. People may praise God and, and put their faith in him, right? So, And I think yeah. to a large part of this too, it's just to highlight something that Adam kind of said as well, is that we really do need to see all people as valuable. Indeed. Because when we stop when we stop looking at people as they are created in the image of God and are valuable, that's when we find it a lot easier to be manipulative. That's when we find it a lot easier to not love them or to kind of just say, well, you know what, it's not my job. But we really do. We need to see people as valuable. Our hearts need to be broken for their stance with God. And we need to do, I mean, in some ends, you know, fully agreeing with how Steve kind of described what, we, but we need to do everything that we can to, to live out the gospel and, and love on them. Um, and again, not in a manipulative way or, or a way that I'm going to make you, you know, go back to our last episode about decisionism and all that stuff. But we do really need to be, be passionate and have broken hearts for the people who are lost. Amen. And that's what I was going to say is that we need to treat people as people. And, uh, just as we finish up here, at the end of our uh, at Matt's group last night, we were talking about what you know had a small little chat about how the conversation went and all that. And I said I was very thankful for it because in these walls, you know, we come into the office, you know, Monday to Friday, we strategize for church planting, we we talk theology, we do our podcast, we do you know our praying through the Psalms, all all these things that we do. But unless we interact with actual people, we can sometimes forget their people, that they have legitimate feelings, emotions, that they're going to have legitimate responses to the gospel, to the news. Some people will reject it. Some people will be like, that makes it very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay. We need to be willing to let people be uncomfortable with things mm-hmm. and not forget that they're human. Right. Not get so caught up in our theology and these walls and everything that we forget that we're dealing with human beings who are going to have different types of responses. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of the times, too, when we're out and doing it, evangelism, you know, especially in a place like Newfoundland, it, it's going to be a long-term thing. Like, you might have to walk with somebody for months or years wrestling through some of the difficulties of the gospel mm-hmm. before they, they kind of start to get it. And, you know, 
in those situations, we have to be patient and loving and keep having that mentality and not just spew our, um, I mean, obviously we need to still be theological and talk with them and work with them, but we can't just be, you know, always, you know, um, going at them with, with arguments and things like that. We need to really be willing to kind of, I guess, in some senses, pull up the bootstraps, but then also, you know, be willing to kind of walk the long road. I guess it, it, in, in the end, it just gets down to we need to be faithful. Exactly. All right, guys. So that was a great conversation. I think um, if you if you heard this episode, I, I pray that your your faith is in Christ. If not, I, I would ask that you you look into it, you consider it, you even pray to God and ask for Him to work on your heart and open up your eyes. Uh, but we this is where we stand as Christians. If your faith is not in Jesus. We believe that what awaits you is judgment and wrath, but that doesn't have to be the case. Again, as bad as the bad news is, that's what makes the good news so good. Amen. So thanks for listening, and catch us again next week. You have been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is a podcast of Mile One Mission. If you'd like to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland, please visit us at www.mileonemission.ca.